John 16. John 16, and we're going to start in verse. Let's start in verse, let me go, verse 5. John 16 and verse 5. It says, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said this, these things, these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. In verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And let's look down here to verse 13. It says, however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. Notice that, guide you or lead you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. But let's look at verse 13 again. This whole passage is speaking about the Holy Spirit. And in verse 13, it says, However, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you, notice, or lead you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Amen. That's going to be a key verse tonight. Now let's look over at Romans 8. Romans 8. Bishop, can you turn the air conditioning down a little bit? I'm a little warm up here. And I know I'm going to preach, so it's going to get warmer in here. Romans 8. Romans 8, and we're going to start in verse 14. These are going to be familiar passages to you because pastors have been preaching and teaching along these lines. In Romans 8 and verse 14, it says, For as many are that are led or guided by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. In verse 17, if you are children, then heirs and heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. But the title of my message is follow the leader. Follow the leader. Look at your neighbor and say, follow the leader. Follow the leader. We're going to have a good time tonight. Follow the leader. Now let's look back over at Proverbs, Proverbs 20. You guys still here? I know we're looking at some scriptures, but it's good for you. Proverbs 20. For those of you who didn't read your Bible today, this is you're getting your Bible reading in. So, good for you. Proverbs 20. So the time of the message, like I said, is follow the leader. And tonight I'm going to be specifically talking about being led by the Spirit of God. And you're going to say, well, why are you preaching about that? Pastor's preaching about that. Hey, that's the point. We're in the same flow. And uh, how many know you need to know how to be led by the Spirit of God? And just a couple things kind of as an intro to what we're talking about tonight. Uh, First of all, our group is... We have been for a while. It's been preparation time, but we've been we're we're stepping into something new as a group. And of any time in your life, you need to know how to be led by the Spirit, especially when you're young, because you make a lot of life changing decisions when you're a young person, which can affect the rest of your life, like who you get married to, where you go to college, what kind of career you choose. A lot of these things you choose when you're a young person. And how I many know Pastor said recently he prophesied about our group being uh, really like a spearhead or our group being uh, a huge influence on the rest of our church in revival. He talked about our group being something really special and there's something special happening in our group. Of course, a lot of us have known that for a while, but the prophecies help us and encourage us even more about what God's doing in us and through us. And so just something to think about tonight. 
we're talking about being led by the Spirit, but Pastor, just this past Tuesday, he talked again about how much God wants to do in us and in our group and in our church. And he said, I can see it, I can see it, I can see it. I can see awakening, I can see young people, I can see people coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And let's not just hear those prophecies and just forget about them. Let's pray about them. Let's receive what God has for us. Amen? And so you don't need to take it lightly when our pastor prophesies about stuff. Because he's not just some random guy that's prophesying and his prophecies never come to pass. You know, Dad has a track record of what he says comes to pass. People like Dr. Dufresne have a track record of what they say comes to pass. And they're not just making stuff up for fun. And so we need to realize this for us as a group to go into this next level we're going into. First of all, we need to be more unified than ever. Hello, somebody. No strife. And I'm not going to put up with any strife, just so all you know that. And we need a more unified group than we've ever had before. And it's been good unity for the past couple of years. I'll give it to you guys. We've, we've walked in a, a really strong level of unity, but we can get stronger. Because what God wants to do, it takes unity to do. You know, all the moves of God in the Bible, especially involving the early church, they were all unified. Every time God moved, it was when people were in one accord and when they were unified. Amen? But specifically, we're going to be talking about being led by the Spirit of God because not only that's what pastor's been talking about, but that's something that we all need to know as, as believers about how to be led by the Spirit of God. And like he said that God specifically told him to speak about being led by the Spirit because that's really crucial for this period of time that we're living in as the body of Christ. Not just our church, but the body of Christ as a whole. We need to know better than ever before how to be led by the Spirit of God because it could be life or death if you're led by the Spirit or not. I mean, I don't want to get too sober on you, but it can be life or death if you're led by the Spirit or not. You could marry the wrong person. You could go down the wrong path for your life. You could end up going down somewhere you shouldn't have went, but you weren't listening to the Spirit of God, so something happened to you. A tragedy happened. And that's not to make you guys fearful, but just to be aware how important it is to be led by the Spirit of God. You know, if you're led by the Spirit of God, you don't have to have tragedy ever again in your life. Do you know that? If, if we were really led by the Spirit of God, we wouldn't have to live in tragedy and failure and disease and lack if we were being led by the Spirit of God. It's possible to not make a mistake the rest of your life. I know a lot of people, they're not even close to that. But I'm saying it's possible if we were truly led by the Spirit of God every day, we could really technically not make a mistake the rest of our life. If we were led by the Spirit of God every day. Because he's only going to lead you into truth, into all truth. And he's only going to lead you into victory. Okay, if you're living in defeat, the Holy Spirit is not leading you into defeat. A lot of people will say that. Well, I'm just, I'm just suffering and sickness and disease and, and poverty because the Spirit of God, no, the Spirit of God did not lead you into poverty or sickness or failure or that kind of suffering they're talking about. Now, the suffering the Bible talks about you didn't know you are going to get a message on suffering, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. The suffering that the Bible's talking about is persecution. And that means people are going to talk bad about you. That means people are not going to always understand you. That's the kind of suffering the Bible's talking about. Not sickness or disease or tragedy or poverty. It's talking about if you're a real believer, people are not going to like you sometimes. And people are going to talk bad about you, and that's just part of it. So that's the suffering the Bible's talking about. But the Spirit of God is always going to lead you into victory. In Proverbs 20 and verse 27, it says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Notice that the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. You need to realize this. We've said this before. Pastors said this, but the more we say it, the more you get it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you say, I've heard it, then you really haven't got it because faith doesn't come by heard. It comes by hearing and hearing. God is going to contact you and speak to your spirit. Okay? God is going to contact you in your spirit. 
that is where God contacts you. That's why it says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching the, the inner depths of his heart. God will contact you through your spirit. So we know if, if you're born again in here, which this is all home folk in here, so you, I know majority of you are. Some of you are questionable, especially on that side of the room. If you're born again, that means the spirit of God dwells in you. And you can hear God's voice and God can t- contact you. Now, if you weren't born again, then God couldn't contact your spirit because he doesn't live in there. Now, he can con- contact you on the outside. And dad talked about that. When he wasn't saved, he was sitting in a service or standing in a service. And he, he heard a voice or an impression on the outside of him saying, you don't know me, you know about me. And so God spoke outside of him. Why? Because he wasn't born again. The Spirit of God wasn't living in him. But for us that are born again, the Spirit of God dwells in us. Amen? And God will contact your spirit that is in you. Can I do some teaching for a second? And so he was, he's going to contact your spirit, man. You know, you're a spirit. That's the real you. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions. And you live in a body. But... Your spirit is the real you. The spirit of, that's in you is going to live forever. Your body is not going to live forever. Your body's going to die someday. But your spirit will live forever somewhere. And this, your spirit is the real you. You know, we talked about this several weeks ago out of Proverbs 4.23. We talked about guard your spirit or guard your heart. And we talked about the importance. Why would you guard your spirit or guard your heart above everything? Why? Because it's the real you, and it's the most important thing that God has given you, because that's the way you contact God. And we know from that verse, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Out of your spirit will flow the issues of life, or lack thereof. So if you don't take care of your spirit, which is the real you, there will not be any life coming out of you. But if you do take care of your spirit that God has given you, that the Holy Spirit lives in there, life will flow out of you. So it's important that we guard our spirit or guard our heart because that's where God, God contacts us. And how many know, if you don't guard your spirit, that means there's a lot of things are going to get cloudy in your spirit, man, and you're not going to be able to hear from God clearly. That's why it's so important that you guard your spirit so you can hear from God clearly. Because if we don't guard it, other things can get in our heart and it's going to jumble up what we think God's saying and what other people are saying. And we're not going to know how to hear from God clearly. We're not going to know how to be led by God's spirit because we're not guarding our spirit, man. I know this is not a prosperity message on, you know, you got to get a Bentley and you guys are doing laps, but this is just as important. And I realize I'm teaching, but you guys need to hear what I'm saying tonight. You are a spirit, and you have a soul. You live in a body. You know, John 4, 24, you don't have to turn there. John 4, 20, John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit. God is a spirit. So if God is a spirit and you're a spirit, guess what? You're going to have to contact each other in your spirit. Not in your mind, not in your body, If God's a spirit and you're a spirit, then you're going to contact each other in that way. Something that dad said that really stood out to me. He said, talking about your spirit, your soul, and your body. He says, the voice of your spirit is your conscience or your inward witness. Okay? You guys could take notes on this. This would be okay. This would be something you should write down. The spirit within you, the voice of your spirit is your conscience. Some people call it conscience or your inward witness on the inside of you. That's a voice on the inside of you that says, don't do that. Or you should do that. That feeling you get when you have a big decision to make and you feel like, eh, I don't know. You just don't feel right about it. That's your spirit speaking to you. Or you have a, or something else comes up and you feel the peace of God about it and you feel like, yeah, that's right. That is the voice of your spirit. That's the inward witness. And he said, the voice of your soul is reasoning. The voice of your soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotion, is your reasoning. So if you're just constantly thinking about it, and you're constantly worried about it, and you're constantly trying to figure things out in your mind, that is your soul speaking, not your spirit. How many know your, your spirit man doesn't worry? 
Okay, your spirit man doesn't reason because your spirit's not trying to figure out things. It already has things figured out because God's speaking to it. So if you're trying to figure things out, you're not hearing from your spirit. You're hearing from your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. I heard Pastor Nancy say this one time. She said, the spirit realm is the realm of answers. And the natural realm is the realm of questions. So if you're just questioning things and reasoning things out, you're in the natural, you're not in the spirit. Because she said, in the spirit realm, all there is is answers. There's not questions. How many know God doesn't ask questions? He only has answers because he knows everything. So in the spirit, there's only answers. And number three, your body, the voice of your body is your feelings. Can I get a big amen on that? <laughs> we, we've all had that and still experienced that. Your feelings, they usually try to talk louder to you than all the rest of these things. And so the voice of your body is your feelings. Now let's look back over at Romans 8. Romans 8. You guys get anything so far? I know it's a little different tonight. We're doing some more teaching. You know, as we're teaching this, you need to realize this. Myself and our own pastor, he's told you this. He hasn't always made the right choice. He hasn't always made the right decisions. Neither have I. So I'm not preaching this as, hey, I'm led by the Spirit in all my decisions and I've never made a mistake. No, that's not true. I've made mistakes. Pastors made mistakes. But we're showing you what is possible. And how many know the longer you go in this and the longer you grow with God, the clearer you will get at hearing God's voice, the clearer you will get on being led by the Spirit. And the further you go in God, the less, dis- I mean, the less mistakes you're going to make because you're going to be able to hear His voice clearer and you're going to be more knowledgeable of how to be led by God's Spirit because you have learned how to hear His voice. You know, he gave the, this example, which is so true. If you really know somebody, you're not always saying, you know, is this so-and-so on the phone? If you know somebody's voice, you're going to stop eventually questioning whether it's them or not. You're going to know their voice. And in John, it says, my sheep know my voice. That's Jesus speaking. My sheep know my voice. So Romans 8 and verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So what, what is Paul trying to tell us here? That if you're a child of God... What's possible and what is available is for your life to be continually led by the Spirit of God. And that is what He has intended from the beginning of time, that He would lead you the rest of your life. Because He knows what's best for you. You don't always know what's best for you. Let me just say that, because some of you think you do know what's best for you, and you don't. The Spirit of God always knows what's best for you. That's why we choose to follow His leading and not our body's leading or not our mind's leading. Because He knows better. And sometimes in the natural, when, when our, our feelings and our mind tells us something opposite, like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever could do, is this decision right here. And your Spirit's saying, yes. Every time I followed my Spirit, I've always been thankful I did. Every time I didn't follow what the Spirit of God said and went with my emotions or feelings or my reasoning, I regretted the decision every time. Even if it didn't all make sense. Why? Because the Spirit of God knows best. You need to get that. The Spirit of God knows best and He knows everything. The Spirit of God knows everything about your future. And so, as a child of God... It says here, you can continually be led by the Spirit of God your whole life, every day. Not just like once a year or once a decade. No, every day of your life you can be led by the Spirit of God. You know, we talk about being Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. But, you know, some people pray in tongues all the time, but they still don't listen to the Spirit of God. So, I mean, you can say you're spirit-filled all day and talk in tongues, but, you know, what is the point of it if you're not being led by the Spirit of God? There's really no point of it. 
like, okay, you prayed in tongues a couple hours, but you're not obeying anything the Spirit of God says. Who really cares? And if you were doing it right, when you're praying in the Spirit, it's for a reason because it says in the Word of God, you're praying out your future. You're praying out the plans and purposes for your life when you pray in the Spirit. You're praying out your direction if you would listen. So when you pray in spirit, in the spirit, it's for a purpose. It's not just so I pray in tongues. I'm better than the Baptists and the Presbyterians. No, you pray in tongues for a purpose. And the purpose is that you can be led by the spirit better. And that when you pray in the spirit, you're praying out your future and the plans and purposes. Not just I can pray in tongues. I'm a Pentecostal. Okay. There's a purpose behind that and that's that the spirit of God would lead your life you know like I said before you have the potential all of us in here to never make another mistake and I'm, I'm not saying that to make you feel bad if you go out here and make a mistake because I make mistakes but I'm saying the potential is there that if all of us were really led by the spirit of God on all of our decisions we would never have to make the wrong step again we would never have to take a step off the plan of God again. We could never fall into failure or mistakes ever again if we were led by the Spirit of God every day. It's possible. I'm just telling you what's possible. You know, even, even the greatest men of God that we know that were led by the Spirit of God, they still made mistakes. But you know what? They were shooting for what was possible. It's better to shoot for it and get 80-90% than not shoot for anything at all. But I'm just saying it's possible that you could never make a mistake or a failure or a bad decision again if you were led by the Spirit of God. I wrote this down. You should write this down also. The successful Christian life is not how good you can lead, but how good you can follow. The successful Christian life is not how good you can lead, but it's how good you can follow. You got to realize that. The successful Christian life is not how good you can lead, it's how good you can follow. That's the whole Christian life. It's not about you. Jesus said he's Savior and Lord. That means you're not in charge of your life anymore. If Jesus is really the Savior and Lord of your life, that means he makes the decisions and not you. And it's not because he wants to be a dictator or, or just mess your fun up. It's because he knows better than you do about your life. He knows your future and you don't. So the wise person would say, since you are Savior and you are Lord and you are God, I'm going to let you lead my life and not let me lead my life. Because I don't know my future. And I always don't know the best plan for my life. Because sometimes my feelings tell me to do this and that's not the right decision. And sometimes my reasoning in my mind tells me, I should do this. I should pursue this career. I should date this person. I should go to that church or I should move here. And the Spirit of God never said any of that. So the successful Christian life is not about you leading. It's about you following. You got to realize this. Jesus said, follow me. Did he say that? Jesus said, follow me. Now, when Jesus said, follow me, he was talking to his disciples. You know, it was easy to follow Jesus because he was in physical form and he was standing right there. So it was like, okay, Jesus, wherever you walk, I'm going to walk. I mean, it's pretty simple. If somebody was walking in front of me, hey, follow me. Okay, where are we going? But how many know Jesus doesn't live here in physical form? Did you know that? He's not under the bridge. I mean, he does work at Tomo, but <laughs> Jesus. He works at Tomo, but the real Jesus, he doesn't live here anymore. He lives in heaven. And we read it a second ago, and we're going to read it again in John 16. He said, I got to go back up to my father, but, but don't be afraid. Don't be upset because I'm going to send one who's just as good as me. I'm going to send one who's just like me or the same as me. And it's the spirit of God. And the Spirit of God has come. We know the Spirit of God has come. Jesus is in heaven, and the Spirit of God is here. You know why it was better for Jesus to go to heaven and send the Spirit of God? Because if you wanted to get with God, you had to be in one place, wherever Jesus was. But when the Spirit of God came, He's everywhere, and He's in all of us. So we don't have to fly over to Jerusalem tonight to be with God. No, He's in us now by the Spirit of God. And if you wanted to follow Jesus back then, you had to be right in the 
physical area where Jesus was, but now he sent his spirit, which is omnipresent, which is with us all at the same time. And notice what one of the roles of the, of the spirit of God, is a, there's a lot of things he does, but the spirit of God has been called to lead you and guide you, or he has been called to help you follow Jesus. That's one of his primary roles is for to help you and to lead you and guide you where Jesus is going so you can follow him. That's one of his primary roles. You know, let's look over at John 16. We're going to read it, John 16. John 16, and we're going to start in verse 5. So how do you follow Jesus? Well, the Spirit of God is in you, and his desire and his leading is you following Jesus. When the Spirit of God tells you to do something and you do it, you know what you're doing? You're following Jesus. Because the Father, Son, and the Spirit, they're all one. They're all one. So when the Spirit of God tells you to do something or not to do something, and you obey it, that means you're following Jesus. You're following his lead and his guide. So in John 16, it says, But now I go away to him who sent me. Verse 5. He said, Where are you going? But because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. They were upset. But look, he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. It's better that Jesus went away because he could send the Spirit of God to live in all of us. How many know when he was here, God was with us? But when he sent the Spirit of God, God came in us. There's a difference. Jesus, it said his name was Emmanuel, which means God with us. But the Spirit came and got in us. That's to our advantage. He's not just with us, he's in us. He never leaves us, he's in us. That's why Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Notice, for I do not, for if I do not go away, the helper, which he's talking about the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And verse 13, however, when the spirit of truth, same person, Holy Spirit, has come, notice, he will guide you into all truth. Or he will help you follow me into all truth for whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come notice and he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you and verse 15 all things that the father has are mine therefore i said he will take of what is mine and declare it to you now let's look keep looking there but i'm going to read from the message and it says it really good in the message here of John 16, and we're going to start in verse 12. John 16 and verse 12. Just look up and listen to me for a second as I read this in the message, if you don't have it. It says it really good. John 16, verse 12. Jesus speaking, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. Notice, but when the friend comes, y'all didn't hear me. The message says, but when the friend comes, the Holy Spirit is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He says, but when the, notice, when the friend comes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's a person. He's not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, notice this, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all truth there is. Notice that is what the Holy Spirit does. It says he takes you by the hand or leads you and guides you into all truth. And he won't draw attention to himself, but he will make sense of what has happened to me. Indeed, out of all of it, I have done and said. And he will honor me and he will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. This is why I said he takes from me and delivers to you. Notice that. The spirit of truth, he will take your hand and guide you into all truth there is. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes your hand 
and guide you into everything Jesus said. And notice he, he says down here, he will make sense of all that has happened, happened to me and all that I've done and said. You know, that's one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to help us as believers really understand what Jesus did and why he came and what happened. And how many know the disciples at the time that Jesus was on earth and this was happening, they fully didn't get what was going on. They didn't realize the whole meaning of Jesus going to the cross and dying for sins. They kind of knew what was going on, but they really didn't. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wasn't there to explain it to them. And that's why he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to explain or help you understand everything that just happened in your life with me. So the Holy Spirit, one of its primary roles is to explain or to guide you or to explain all the truth that is in the Word of God to you. And without the Holy Spirit, you can't understand the Bible. That's why there's a lot of people who read the Bible and don't get anything because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you revelation of what the Word of God means and what it says. So notice that He will lead you or guide you into all truth. So number one here, I wrote three things down. Three things. You guys get anything tonight? So three, these are three different things I wrote down here. Three different ways that you can be led by the Spirit of God. Three different ways. And I know Pastor has talked a lot about this, and he's going to continue to talk about this. But like I said, it's a crucial message that we get, not just for us as young people, but every believer should get this, but especially us that are making so many important decisions. Like I said, in the day and age we live in, we need to make right decisions, right choices, Bishop. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps you make right choices. So number one, the number one way I wrote down here, the Spirit of God leads you is by the Word of God or the Bible. The number one way the Spirit of God will lead you is by the Word of God. That's the number one way. So if you never read your Bible and you complain about not hearing from God, it's because you haven't read His Word. Hello, somebody. I just preached. Nobody heard me. If you say, I don't hear from God, and you never read your Bible, duh, you never hear from God. Because God's Word is God speaking to you. You can pick it up anytime you want. There's 66 books in here. You can read it anytime you want. God spoke to you and gave you 66 stinking books that you could read. You say, I just don't hear from God. God doesn't speak to me. Read the Bible. God will speak to you. He wrote a book, the Bible, the bestseller of all time. So the number one way the Holy Spirit's going to lead you is by the Word of God. And let me tell you why. It says that the Bible was written by men. How many know it was written by men? There's 40 different authors that, that wrote the Bible. But it says they didn't write the Bible by themselves. It says that they wrote the Bible and the Spirit of God led them. Hello, led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit led them or guided them on what to write and what to say. That's why the Bible is not just a man-made book, it's a supernatural book. That's why it's different than all the rest of the books. Because the Holy Spirit didn't help other people write their books. The Holy Spirit wrote a book right here that's in front of us. He used men of God to write the Bible and it says the Holy Spirit led them or guided them on what to say. So here, here's something. Just using your, your brain for a second. If the Holy Spirit spirit inspired the Bible, wouldn't he be the person that you need to explain what he said? Hello, somebody. So if, if you really want to get all you can out of the Bible, don't just go to your commentary. Like, like Smith Wigglesworth said, some read it in Hebrew, some in Greek, but I read the Bible in the Holy Ghost. Because you can study out the Greek and the Hebrew, and that's good, and there's a time and place for that. But you need to have the Holy Spirit tell you what he meant when he said that. Not just some old guy who's dead and wrote a commentary about the Bible. And I, I like commentaries. They help sometimes. But above that, the Spirit of God knows what he meant when he wrote it. More than an old dead guy who wrote a commentary. 
And so if the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible, he's the one that you need to talk to about what it means. And notice what we just read in John 16. That's part of his role is to explain or expound and to lead you into all truth of what the Word of God means and what it says. Isn't that what he said to his disciples? One of his roles was to make sense of all that Jesus did and said. The Spirit of God is the only person that can do that. Now let's look over at Hebrews 4. Doing some teaching tonight. It's good for you. John 4. Hebrews. We were just at John. Hebrews. Hebrews 4. Let's look at verse 12. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living, notice that, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Notice that the word of God is living and powerful. The Bible's not an old dead book, it says it's living. That's why there's no book like the Bible, because there's no other book that's alive. The only reason the Bible is alive is because it was written in inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the Word of God, it says it's living, and notice it's powerful. The Word of God is always speaking to you. You know, A.W. Tozer said, The Bible is not a once spoken book, but it's a book now speaking. The Bible is not a once spoken book that just happened 2,000 years ago. That was it. No, the Bible, it says it's living and it's powerful. And the Bible is still speaking. Why is it still speaking? Because the Holy Spirit's still speaking. And the Holy Spirit inspired those words. And the Holy Spirit is still alive and well and powerful. And when you read the Word of God and you get the Word of God in you, it will come alive to you and be powerful to you. Because the Bible is not once spoken, but it's a book now speaking to you. You need to when you when you read the Word of God, you need to say the Word of God is speaking to me right now. It not it once spoke a long time ago. It worked for people back in the day, but it doesn't work for me now because I live in 2012 and I just don't get it. No, the Bible is now speaking to you today, and it's alive and powerful. It's just as relevant as it was when it was written. Because the Holy Spirit inspired it, not just a man. And the Bible is a supernatural book. So realize the number one way the Spirit of God is going to lead you is by the Word of God. Now let me explain that to you a little bit more. When you're making decisions and you're asking God questions, a lot of times you'll get a scripture. You'll get a verse. You might get a chapter. That's God speaking to you. Just because you didn't hear an audible voice doesn't mean that's any less important. The Word of God is God speaking to you. So a lot of times, the number one way the Spirit of God will lead you is by His Word. He will bring a scripture up to you and illuminate it or bring revelation on it. And it will just it seems like the scripture just pops out of your Bible. The Holy Spirit's trying to tell you something when that happens. And that's the Spirit of God trying to lead you. So you need to be aware of that. When you're reading your Bible and a scripture seems like it just keeps popping out to you and just keeps like, you know, you you don't get why you're just drawn to that verse. The Spirit of God is trying to lead you into something. Don't just read over that and take it for granted. Because that's one of the primary roles that happens is God will give you his word from the Bible. That's one of the main ways God will lead you. You know, Dad talked about this when he was called into ministry. He gave him a verse. I think he gave him Jeremiah. I called you to be a prophet to the nations. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and called you to be a prophet to the nations. That was a verse that God spoke to them, spoke to him. That was the Holy Spirit trying to lead him. Another example he was talking to me about this the other day. When he left one church as a youth pastor to go be a church at 
to go be a senior pastor somewhere else, God gave him a verse in Hebrews. He didn't speak audibly to him. He didn't say anything to him. He just gave him a verse. And realize that is just as important as God speaking audibly to you. A lot of us take it for granted and God's giving us scriptures left and right, trying to talk to us. And we're looking over them, wanting a sign from heaven that somebody would just put something up on a sign. Or God would just yell at me with a megaphone and he's trying to talk to you from his word and he don't see it. And the primary way that God is going to lead you is by his word. And he gave him a verse about leaving that because he said, well, God, where am I going to go? And he gave him that verse in Hebrews that said, Abraham obeyed God. He didn't know where he was going. That's the verse that God gave dad. What was that going on? He was being led by the spirit of God when God gave him that verse. Here's another thing about being led by the spirit when it comes to the word of God. If you say the Spirit of God is leading you and it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you're not being led by the Spirit of God. You're being led by a Spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. Because I've seen a lot of people say that, hey, you know, the Spirit of God just said this to me. Well, it doesn't line up with the Word of God. And if the Holy Spirit wrote the Word of God and you say He's saying this and they don't match up, you're not hearing from the Holy Spirit. Because he wouldn't contradict himself. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, the Lord is just moving me on to another church because I just need to grow. Because I ain't getting fed here at Church on the Rock anymore. And really, I'm offended and I'm a baby. And they say, I'm just being led by the Spirit of God. We just It's just our season to move because I'm in a new season. No, you're being led by a Spirit, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. Because if God planted you somewhere, he's not going to contradict his word. Hello, somebody. And I've seen seen even this. I've seen this with friends I've talked to. And they say, well, I just feel like I should do this or do this. And what they're saying doesn't line up with the Bible. And they act like they're being led by the Spirit. No, you're not being led by the Spirit. You got a, you know, you got a friend that says, you know, I just feel like I just need to kind of take a time out from like church, the whole church scene. I need to kind of take a time out from my Christian friends and just, I need to be a witness like up in the clubs and stuff like that. So you, you're being led by a spirit, but not the Holy spirit. And how can I say boldly, you're not being led by the spirit when they say that because it doesn't match up with the word of God, because the word of God says, be planted in a local church and that you need a community of friends and believers. So if you say, Oh, I'm just being led by the spirit. Mm-mm. You know, I know, I know people that got married to people and acted like they were being led by God. Hey, and Christian people are the worst. I just, I'm going I'm to start preaching now at 815. You, this was all warm up to this at 815. I've seen Christian people and Christian people are the worst to pull the God card on people. Well, God told me. And how many know when, when people say God told me, how are you going to say, like, contradict that because you're trying to be respectful? Well, God really told you that then. And then what they, what they say, they fall flat on their face and they're a failure in what they just did. No, God did not tell them that. But how many, a lot of us Christian people use that as a get out of jail free pass. I can do what I want. Well, pastor, God told me to do this. What's pastor going to say? No, God didn't tell you that, even though he's thinking that. And majority of the time, God did not tell you that because it doesn't line up with his written word. And I've seen a lot of people say, well, you know, God God told me to marry this person. Well, that person is not even a Christian, so that doesn't line up with God's word whatsoever. Well, I'm just going to flirt to convert. I just feel like I'm called to be a missionary in their life and sow into their life and lead them to the cross. You're going to be led somewhere, but ain't to the cross. Well, Proverbs says she go lead you to the grave, lead you to hell. Really? That's where I just preached being and you didn't hear that. People will say that. Well, I just feel like this person's the right person. Well, God says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And you saying, I'm going to get married to this person. That really doesn't work. 
Why? Because it contradicts God's written word. So notice, if you're really led by the Spirit, the, the word of God is, is going to affirm that leading. It's not going to contradict what he's already written. That's just something for you to think about. Because there's a lot of Christian people saying, God told me this, you know, the Holy Spirit led me to do this. And they, they're failures and they fall flat on their face. And what they're saying doesn't even line up with Bible principles. So you're not being led by the Spirit of God if that's what you're thinking. I just had to get a little bit of real talk in. For the night was over. Number two, the second way that God will lead you is through the inward witness. Through the inward witness. Let's look over to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Notice we said the Spirit, the Spirit of God speaking to you is your inward witness. Your soul talking to you is reasoning, and your body talking to you is your feelings. So the Spirit of God will lead you by an inward witness. So Colossians 3, in verse 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. But notice that, the first part of this verse, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts or in your spirit. You know, one of the main translations of this or things that brings out about this word rule, let the peace of God rule your hearts or let the peace of God rule your spirit is let him be an umpire. You know what an umpire does? It says whether it's in or whether it's out. And how many know what the inward witness does to you on the inside, the Holy Spirit? How does he rule your heart? By the peace that's on the inside of you. And he says, in or out. This is not right, this is right. There's only like two options here. And it says, let the peace of God rule your hearts or be an umpire to your hearts or your spirit. And that's how the spirit of God leads you from the inward witness. Is by the peace on the inside of you. Are you hearing me tonight? He will lead you by the peace on the inside of you. That's the inward witness speaking to you. And notice, the inward witness is not God speaking words to you, like whole sentences or paragraphs. It's more of just an inner leading or, or the peace that's on the inside of you. You know, from, from my experience so far, and I know Dad would probably agree with this. I, I've even heard Brother Hagin say, Majority of times that he was led by the Spirit of God was by his inward witness. More than hearing an audible voice or more than, you know, the inward voice of God speaking to him, that can happen too. But majority of the time, it was the inward witness or the peace of God ruling in his heart. So let me tell you kind of what, what that plays out like. If, if the inward witness on the inside of you, it's your peace... And it says it's like an umpire. And what does the umpire say? Well, this is in or this is out. There's two options. When a decision comes up or you feel like you need to ask God something and you're, you're seeking God's advice, what does that inward man sense? Are you at peace about that decision? Because if it is, that means the umpire is trying to say, yeah, you're right on. That's the spirit of God. If there's no peace, if you feel upset about it, if you just feel like a weird kind of like, you know, everything seems right, but I just don't feel right on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit, the umpire trying to say, hey, it's out. We're out here. We are outside of our peace realm, and this is not a path you need to go down here. And he's trying to be the umpire of your life by the peace. That's what that inward witness is. So notice that majority of the time, that God is going to lead you, it's going to be by his inward witness. And what is the inward witness? It's really the peace on the inside of you. So if you don't have a peace about a situation, don't do it. If you don't have peace, let me repeat that. If you do not have peace, I don't care if everything in the natural looks awesome. If you don't have peace about it, don't do it. Sometimes it could be life or death. 
I know situations of people that thought they were going to leave the house at a certain time and they just felt on the inside, I need to wait a little bit and they didn't have peace. And they waited and they drove by the same place they were going to be and there was a huge accident where they would have been. What was that? The inward witness was trying to lead them. I've had situations going on dates with girls and you know on the, the inward witness, Brucey knows what I'm talking about, by the inward witness, you just know it ain't right. And it's nothing on the, the natural side. I've said this before when we talked about dating and purity. There was girls that I went out with were good Christian girls. They were pretty. There was nothing wrong in the natural. But on the inside, I didn't have any peace about it. Okay, I could be a dummy and ignore the inward witness, the Spirit of God trying to lead me. Or for some strange reason the grace of God, I made the right decision and and got out of that situation. So the inward witness is number two. And I would say one of the primary ways that God is going to lead you is by the peace that's on the inside of you. You guys getting this tonight? He's going to lead you. And notice it's, it's not always going to match up with what you're feeling. Let me say that again. It's not always going to match up with what you're feeling on the outside. Sometimes it, it contradicts everything you're feeling on the outside. You'd, you'd be like, this girl is so stinking hot. She's a Christian. What is the problem here? Come on. Some of you guys have said that before. I've been, I know what you're talking about. But the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, out. Man, she is out. She is way out. And you're just like, in the natural, I don't know why not. But the Holy Spirit, he's trying to lead you. Hello, somebody. Inward witness. Same thing with college. Same thing with a job career. Sometimes, some of, you, some of you guys in the future might be getting a job opportunities that open up for you, and they might seem like the best thing to do. They might be paying you awesome money. They might be the job you want to do at a, a great company. But if the Spirit of God is saying no, out. Are you going to listen to it? Because that's when, that's when you really know you're being led by the Spirit. When you got, oh, it's a perfect job, you know, God, it's, it's all this money. Sometimes it could be all that, but the Spirit of God still says no. And he's not saying no because he's trying to keep you out of something. He's got something better for you after that. But if, if you won't be obedient to his leading, he can't give you that something better. So you don't know. He, he's not saying no to you. Get that. He's not saying no to you because he's trying to keep you out of something good for you. He's saying no because he's got something better for you. And if you would just listen to him, he'd lead you to the better. That, that goes with everything, not just boyfriend, girlfriend, not just job, but everything in your life. If he ever tells you no, out, it's because he's got something better for you. So he's going to lead you by your inward witness or by the peace of God in your heart. Number, number three, last thing. I appreciate you guys coming out tonight. I know we it's kind of different than normal doing some teaching. Let's look over at 1 Kings. First Kings 19. So number one, he's going to lead you. The Spirit of God is going to lead you by the Bible or the Word of God. Number two... He's going to lead you by the inward witness or the peace of God. And number three, a lot of times he's going to lead you by the inward voice. Now, I didn't say, I didn't give like a fourth or fifth one talking about God's audible voice because that is few and far between that anybody ever heard God's audible voice. It's happened to people before. It's never happened to me. So let's not make that like the rule because that's really not the primary way. I think if it was really that bad of a situation, he might pull that. But majority of the time, he's going to lead you by these three things. The word of God, the inward witness, the inward voice. So in 1 Kings 19 and verse 11, it says, And then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces. But notice, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
in verse 12, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But then after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went away and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So notice that. We all often look for the spectacular, the big, the loud. I wish God would get on a megaphone and talk to me. Or he would just like put a sign up on the side of the highway so he could just talk to me. But notice it says he wasn't in the loud things like the, the mountains crashing and earthquakes and fire. But he was in the still small voice. That's the way God spoke to Elijah. And Elijah was looking for the big the spectacular, the obnoxious, the loud, like the way the people think that God talks to you, but he says God talks to you in a still small voice. That's one of the primary roles that, that he uses to speak to you is in that inward still small voice. And notice the voice is going to come from your spirit, not your mind. It's not going to come from your body. It's going to come from the inside of you. But we always look for the spectacular, but God's looking for the supernatural. And notice when God's speaking to you in a still small voice, it might not be spectacular, but it's supernatural that God is speaking to you. That the God of the universe is speaking to you, his creation. It might not be spectacular, but it is supernatural. That the spirit of God is speaking to you. So notice a lot, a lot of times it will be a still small voice. And I... Let me tell you from my own experience. A lot of times, the still small voice, I don't hear it during the day a lot. I don't hear it in the day a lot. Maybe every once in a while I have. But majority of time that I hear God speaking to me, that inward voice or that still small voice is at nighttime. That's just me personally. And usually it's right when I'm trying to go to bed. And usually I'm like, God, I appreciate you talking right now. But I kind of like to sleep. No, I, I, I think that sometimes. He knows my thoughts. But he doesn't stop. And usually, usually the time that, that I feel that, feel that and hear that still small voice, that inward voice, is at nighttime when I'm going to sleep. And I think that's because, you know, your mind is quieted down. And it's the end of the, end of the day. And you can hear God, God clearer a lot of times. And a lot of times, you can ask my, my lovely bride, I will try to go to sleep. And I will toss and turn for like four or five hours because God is just speaking to me about stuff. And I'll be like, God, can we do this during the daytime when I'm up? But it usually doesn't happen like that. And I think it's too because it's so quiet and all the distractions are aside, God can actually talk to me. And usually that's a lot of the times where I get ideas for stuff. It's usually at nighttime when I'm trying to go to sleep and God will just be going through stuff. He'll be going winter advance. Boom, 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 boom. Summer camp. Boom, 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 boom. You know, here's the next 15 messages you need to preach. And then he'll preach all of them to me and give me different points for each of them. And I'm like, I don't even have a pencil or paper right now, God. You know, and I should write some of those things down. And I do in the morning. And thank God that the grace of God has helped me remember majority of the stuff in the morning of what he said but that's when hey that's when all my sermons come that's where all my summer camp ideas winter advance anything else i do it always comes usually at night time when the still small voice is speaking to me and usually like i said it'll go on for hours and i'm like god can we do this in the morning when i had my coffee crossing and you know i'm up at church but hey that's just the time that god chooses to speak you know, it might be different for, for some of you guys. I'm just telling you the way that God does it with me. And how many, I, I know that it's God's voice because it's not coming from my natural thoughts. It's coming from my spirit, man. Because it's stuff coming up that I never even thought of before. So I know it's from God. So that was just a personal example of the inward voice. Now one last thing, let's look over at Romans 8. Would you guys get anything tonight?
Romans 8. Romans 8, and we're going to start in verse 16 here. And we're going to read this in a second, but I just want to bring one thing out before we finish tonight. You know, when it says those who are the children of God are led by God, led by the Spirit of God, or guided by the Spirit of God, another word for that is that they are carried by the Spirit of God. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of you got it, some of you didn't. But another word is carried, that your life can be carried along by the Spirit of God, that you you could be living a life that is not stressful, that it's not just you're always working hard, trying to do something, but that you can live in a way that if you're led by the Spirit of God, your whole life could be carried along by the Spirit of God. The thing I picture is pretty much the Spirit of God piggybacking you the rest of your life making it light and easy for you. If you're led by the Spirit of God. Key word. So another word for being led is the Spirit of God can carry you along the rest of your life. How many know the Spirit of God empowers you and enables you to do what the Word of God says? That's, that's carrying you. Why? Because it's not your power and your strength that you're living this Christian life. It's the Holy Spirit through you living this Christian life. So the Holy Spirit... He carries you along. He strengthens you. He helps you. He's he's the power of God. And He's called to give you the ability and the desire to do what God has called you to do. So one last verse, Romans 8 and verse 16. I'm going to read it from the message and then we'll be done here. It says, This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Are you hearing the message? Notice this. It's an adventurous, expectant, greeting God with a child like what's next, Papa. Notice that God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. Uh, Did we talk about that last week? Who we really are? Who are you? Notice that. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We're a child of God. And we know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. Notice that. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. But I love that. He says, this resurrection life you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's an adventurous, expectant, Life, greeting God with what's next, Papa. Notice it's God's Spirit touching us, touching our spirits and confirming who we really are or, or really where we need to go also and leading us and carrying us. So notice that. Number one, He's going to lead you by His Word. Number two, He's going to lead you by the inward witness. And number three, He's going to lead you by the inward voice. And, no, and realize this, you know, when pastors or leaders in your life speak to you, they're not called to lead your life. Your parents are not even called to lead your life. You need to honor them, respect them, but they're not the Holy Spirit still. And even our pastor, he said that to us the other week. A pastor's role is not to lead your life. We're here to help you. We're to help guide you and confirm things. Notice, confirm things that the Holy Spirit's already told you. But our job is not to lead you and guide you and tell you what to do. Because we're not the Spirit of God. And we don't know everything. Dad even mentioned that the other week. He said, a prophet's job in the New Testament is not to lead people. It's to confirm what the Holy Spirit's already told them. So realize that. Some of you that are so dependent on maybe us leaders realize one of these days you're going to need to hear from the Spirit of God yourself. You know, I can help you. I can confirm some things. Pastor can confirm some things. We can give you godly wisdom from the Word of God. But we're not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit knows things that I don't know about your life. 
The Holy Spirit knows, knows things that your parents don't know about your life. But realize, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. It says in the Word of God, it's a promise. He will show you things to come. You need to speak that over yourself. The Holy Spirit is showing me things to come. He's not going to lead me just wondering about what my life's going to do, what's going to happen. No, the Holy Spirit's going to show me things I need to know to come. Amen? Did you guys get anything tonight? Let's stand up together.